Okay, please take your Bible. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 10 through 12 this morning as we go on in our, uh, our study of the Sermon on the Mount at this point, but our study in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Somebody has written down some issues that would mean you were not having a very good day (laughs) or you're having a rotten day. And uh, I don't know if he wrote these, but this came out of a book by James S. Hewitt. And I want to share those with you. This is how you know you're having a rotten day. It's when you see 60 Minutes, that news television program uh, in your office when you show up for work. (laughs) Or you call the suicide prevention line and they have to put you on hold. Or you turn on the news and they're uh, currently showing emergency routes out of the city. Or for the third year in a row, your twin sister forgets your birthday. Your car horn goes off while you are going down the highway following an entire group of hell's angels and it won't quit. Or your boss tells you, hey, don't bother taking your coat off today. Uh, You won't be staying. Or your income check bounces. Or you put both contact lenses in the same eye that morning. You've had a bad day. Now we want to make sure that we understand there's a difference between the things that just happen in life and the things that are bad and the things that are harmful and what it means to be persecuted for Jesus Christ. That's a whole different issue. There's a big difference between those two, a bad day and being persecuted for Jesus Christ, although persecution for Christ can be a bad day as well. Persecution for Christ is different, and it's a whole different animal altogether than just suffering for the normal things in life. There's another person who writes, and this also is by Open Door here, and it says this, this is persecution. Every day, 13 Christians worldwide are killed because of their faith. And every day, 12 Christians are unjustly arrested or imprisoned, and another five are abducted. So reports the 2021 World Watch List, or they call it the WWL. That's the latest annual accounting from Open Doors of the top 50 countries where Christians are most persecuted for following Jesus Christ. David Curry, who is president of Open Doors, says this, You might think that the list is all about oppression, but the list is really about resilience. The number of God's people who are suffering should mean the church is dying, that Christians are are keeping quiet, losing their faith, and turning away from one another. But that is not what is happening. Instead, in living color, we see the words of God recorded in the prophet Isaiah, where prophet Isaiah said, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He's talking about for the escape of God's people. They, list, they listed the nations containing 309 million Christians living in places where, high, where there were high extreme levels of persecution, up from 260 million in last year's list. This year's top worst 10 worst persecutors uh, are relatively unchanged. After North Korea, there is Afghanistan, followed by Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, Iteria, Yemen, Iran, Nigeria, and India. China has joined the top 20 of the first all-time highs in a decade due to 
ongoing and increasing surveillance and censorship of Christians and other religious minorities. Uh, they have placed their cameras where Christians get together uh, in China, and they watch them all the time. That surveillance is a part of their control of the people, and it's hurting Christians. Now, if you look in your text with me in Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 12. That's going to put an end to the Beatitudes in this sermon, but the sermon goes on uh, through the end of uh, chapter 7. It says here in verse 10, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you, note, because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And we'll end right there in our text and go back and look what this means. If you're following along in your bulletin, that first outline point under verse 10 says this, Inheriting the kingdom of heaven is the blessing for those who endure persecution uh, for being righteous. Now, we're not talking about persecution that everybody experiences just as a way of life and things that happen in life. We're talking about when you stick your neck out for Jesus Christ or when you stand up for the Lord, when you aren't, don't let people push you around and try to keep you from talking about Jesus Christ, we're talking about those issues when you get in trouble. Now, I find the word here for persecution, which is the word in, in Greek, dioko, to be very interesting and telling when it comes to this whole issue of persecution. It has the idea of something moving rapidly and decisively toward an object in order to harass that object. In other words, it's people with zeal and moving quickly to harass someone uh, for whatever purpose. And then their issue is, I need to drive you away or pursue you as a part of that persecution. So the word has an active idea of going after somebody on purpose because you don't like them or you don't like what they uh, believe in our case as Christians or whatever. This seems to be to be uh, the persecution that exists in Christians because there's a goal to it. And that goal is that it is on the move to accomplish its pain in the life of believers. Uh, the world thinks that if they can cause us enough pain, we'll finally be quiet. We won't stand up for Jesus anymore. We will acquiesce to being on the side of whoever is in charge of us, like they're doing in China, where they want you to go along with the party line. If you don't go along with the party line, if you don't give up Jesus, then you go to a re-education camp. Not everybody gets out of a re-education camp alive. Some don't even get out at all in any way. It is a word that was used of persecution that Jesus Christ experienced in his life. So when we are persecuted for Christ, just remember, Christ has also been persecuted for you and me. And we're going to be talking about that on Friday night. We're going to walk through the book of Revelation very quickly. And then I want to tie that into what Good Friday is all about. There's lots of persecution that has gone on throughout time for those who would follow God. It's a part of what we signed up for. Those who want to live righteously, the Bible says, will be persecuted. The declaration is that those who are persecuted for the reason of righteousness, they will possess the kingdom of God. Do you want the kingdom of God? 
Then when the time comes for us to be persecuted, we need to pray for courage from God who did not give us a spirit of cowardice, even though torture hurts, right? Uh, that, that they will stand up for God and they will go forward. And when they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what's it say? I will fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Well, this means that in the end of their days, they will find that the kingdom of God is for them. They are going to dwell there. There is plenty of room for those who are persecuted for Christ in eternity. You know, right now there are people in persecuted countries who are asking, where is the church in America? They're asking that because the church in America used to stand up for persecuted churches all over the world. We would send aid, we would do things as a nation to try to make their life better. Our uh, former president did a lot to take away persecution around the world for religious liberty. Now that's all been taken back. But people still look and they think, well, you used to help us, why don't you help us anymore? Uh, and there's a reason for that. Why aren't we uh, raising their banner and doing something about what is happening to them? In our church, we have a bulletin board that's dedicated to people that are being persecuted. Do we even take the time to stop and see what's there and pray for those people that are being persecuted? Uh, and that, other than that, we're not doing much more uh, as far as helping them goes. The truth is that this is not the America that it used to be. Our leaders are secular for the most part and believe that the downfall of religion is their salvation. They believe that the church is in the way of bringing about the utopia and, and the blessing, if you will, and the glorification of the world, and they must eliminate Christianity in order to carry out their plan. You understand now, we're not the ones that help others. We're the problem that needs to be eradicated. And the world is working hard to eradicate the church all over the world, and uh, that is happening here as well. And then on the, on the other hand, we are so divided as a church in Christ in the United States and powerless, worldly speaking, we don't know what to do for them. How are we going to do anything? Uh, the best we can do is try to help somebody that's actually over there helping. So you pick out a good ministry. Uh, Noel and I like Samaritan's Purse and... Um, they were in a place where we thought they really needed help over there, so we sent some money to them. I don't know that you can support everybody and get the, get the right result as far as getting Christ out in the world and getting these things taken care of. So at least, brothers and sisters, we can do that and support some of these people that are actually there doing what we can't do in person. Persecution is no longer something that happens to people in foreign countries. It's, it's uh, raising its ugly head here, and it's uh, probably going to get worse if the Lord tarries. So are you and I ready to step up for Jesus? That's a big issue. It's hard for us to imagine not having everything we have and the luxuries we experience every day and the plans that we've made all of a sudden thrown in the trash because we no longer have freedom. We no longer have the right to do what we want to do, and what we want to do is serve Jesus. What we want to do is worship God. And when that all of a sudden is gone, what will we be and how will we act? Are we willing to give up uh, the normal course of our life so that we can achieve something for Jesus Christ? It's hard for us to change our ways. It's one thing for us. All of, my, all of my life we've been talking about people persecuted overseas. And I've not seen that. Even when we were in Africa, uh, there was a little bit, but I didn't see much. 
I met one person my whole life, and that was up at our church in Hastings, Nebraska, who actually had the brand marks of Christ on his body. Now, <laughs> he didn't take his shirt off and show us, but he had been beat almost to death because he came out of uh, an Islamic religion and turned to Jesus Christ, and this is what his family did to him. That is so humbling. They threw stuff in his eyes to blind him, and they blinded him. And he knew that if he didn't get out, he would be dead. So he came here. We may have trouble focusing on what is important now, but the day is coming where we will see it more clearly in persecution, clearly like the persecuted church uh, sees things today. Many think that the next two verses are meant to further define the one that we're in right now, and I think that's probably the case. What is persecution caused by our allegiance to Jesus Christ? What does it look like? What is persecution that's caused by allegiance to his word? The text says, for the sake of, in other words, those who are persecuted for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of the word of God. The Greek particle there is a word that is used in the text to indicate the cause or reason of something or because of, on account of, or for the sake of. All right, so he's uh, saying to us, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of, and notice the next word, it's righteousness. Lots of people are persecuted, imprisoned, and things bad happen to them because they do evil things, because they sin, and because they're not doing what's right. Those people have no right to turn to God and say, God, help me in the midst of my persecution, because God's going to say, well, start living in the right way, start doing the right thing, and you don't have to fear those people. Well, what about if it's for righteousness? That's what God is talking about. So we're not talking about persecution as a result of our own sin or our stupidity, our shortcomings or our failures. This is about doing that which is right in the eyes of God, believing what is right in God's eyes and being afflicted and persecuted because of those things. Why are we and the world so far apart in terms of what we think is good and what they think is good, and what we think is bad and evil and what they think is bad and evil. Well, it is because we sometimes forget and we don't understand how powerful our own sinful nature is in us. We have Christ. We have no, we have no reason to act that way. We know better, but the world does not know better. The world does not have the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. I expect them to think the way they think. I expect them to come down on the side of that which isn't uh, righteous in God's eyes. And they're they under the deluding influence of sin in their lives. I mean, look at the list of Beatitudes. I would just have a hard time looking at any of that in, in these first 12 verses and saying, well, what's the problem, world? What do you have against that? And it's not so much those things because uh, being a peacemaker, merciful, gentle, those are all good things. People would say, yeah, that's what I want from you. But we happen to believe some other things that they don't hold to, that they don't like, like the exclusivity of salvation in Jesus Christ. The world says, how dare you tell us there's only one way to heaven? How dare you tell us there's only one way to God? The world says there's many ways. You can choose many different gods and end up in the same place. And the Bible says that's a lie. You can't. And they don't like us for saying that. In verse 11, he says, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. We get upset if we find out somebody's gossiping about us a little bit. Nobody took our life, though. 
but when it's for righteousness sake, it's a different story. We learn in verse 11 that we are blessed when people insult, persecute, and lie about us because of our relationship to Jesus Christ. Who's going to bless us? Well, Jesus is. Jesus is. And it's not going to be the world. This is probably an extension of the preceding verse, as we talked about a minute ago, uh, meant for teaching us about what it means to be persecuted for the sake of the kingdom. The word insult is in this verse, and it is to find fault in a way that demeans somebody, humiliates or mocks another, excuse me, another person. This is a way of shaming a person. In Mark chapter 15, verse 32, it says that these were the things that were happening to Jesus Christ while he was on the cross, that even the thieves got involved in insulting the Lord while he hung there. The one instance I remember the most was when Pastor Totten in our town uh, stood up and asked uh, the TM people about their feelings on the gospel. And when he brought it up, people in our town were booing him from the audience. Like, uh, it's almost like Jesus has no place in here. Jesus has no place in this discussion. And he kept going, thank God for his, his uh, lack of cowardice and for his strength to stand up. The word persecute in this verse is the same Greek word that is used back in verse 10. It is that pursuing of someone to drive them away, harassing them for their beliefs. Think about this. We are at odds with the world because we believe uh, things that they think are absolutely horrible that we believe. And we believe things like babies in the womb are people and they need to be protected and they need to uh, be allowed to be born. And we, they, they need to be taken care of. They need to be treated like human beings. And the world hates us for that. How dare we? What about mom? Well, we love mom. <laughs> Uh, the percentage of people that it's mom's life or the babies is so small, uh, those people are important, but it, it shouldn't even enter into the discussion. We are for the life of the unborn. We believe in monogamous heterosexual marriage, and the world calls it hatred on our part, that we would believe such things. How can you say that? Well, because God says it. That's the only reason we say it. We don't say things God doesn't say. We believe we can hold God's views and still be loving and kind to every person in the world. And the world says, no, you either accept what I do and like what I do, or you hate me and you're some kind of phobic. And that isn't good enough. You have to accept my, accept my views and still be loving and uphold my views. And we can't do that. And then another one uh, next in the verse, falsely say all manner of evil against us means that they lie about us. The world says that if we disagree with the lifestyle of another person, we are committing a hate crime. We are not haters of people, though the world says it. Uh, that is a wicked lie initiated by the father of lies. Look it up, John 8, 44. He's the father of lies. His name is Satan. Now, I think in all fairness, we do need to admit that there have been times that we as Christians have not presented an honorable example of Jesus. We haven't done it right all the time. Mostly it has come from uh, very publicized televangelists. We have tainted the name of Christ, and we were wrong in doing that. We need to, we need to admit that. Some people have been hated by Christians uh, we had a group even in Kansas that would hold up 
uh, signs and stuff about homosexuality that was absolutely godless and full of, full of hate. There was no reaching out to those people at all. And that, that was wrong, and we should apologize for that. I think we have. In that way, uh, we get what we deserve. And I'm trying to tie this next uh, quote in from, from somebody about that issue, that sometimes the way we act, we get what we deserve. Someone said, I couldn't figure out, uh, find out who said it, but they said, don't tell people your problems because half of them don't care and the other half thinks you deserve it. <laughs> and there's times we do deserve it. We have to admit that. And sometimes people don't care. Well, because of Satan's affinity for lying about God's people, we have things in the Bible that protect us, uh, making sure that we uh, make sure that we're not carrying out, carrying out a lie or something like that. I gave you a couple of places, 1 Timothy 5, 19 and 20, when it's talking about the discipline of elders in the church. It says, do not receive an accusation or a charge brought against them an elder, except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Those who continue to sin, rebuke in the presence of all, so that the rest will be fearful of sinning. So it's not like we're without sin, we are, and when it happens, it needs to be dealt with. And that's what the Bible tells us. And then we have the warnings in 2 Timothy, and chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. And friends, I'm, I'm sure we're living in the last days. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious or slanderous gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, holding a form of godliness, although they deny its power. Avoid such people as these. Now, I don't know if you went through there with a pencil and crossed out everyone that isn't around today. I'm going to say you save your pencil. Let's drop down to verse 10. Now you followed my teaching, he's talking about Timothy, my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, faith, patience, love, and perseverance. And we're on board with all that. And then the next verse, persecution. See, he's saying Timothy and Timothy's church has followed the persecutions that Paul underwent. Persecutions and suffering such as happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured and out of them all, the Lord rescued me. The word rescued means to save somebody from death. So it doesn't mean that he didn't go through pain and heartache and pain uh, that was excruciating. It means that he went through that, but the Lord saved his life. And then he says, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continuing the things that you have learned and become convinced of. So notice how we're an opposite pole of these folks, knowing from whom you have learned them. And from childhood, you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. So we have designed a time for our little kids to go someplace and learn about the word of God on their level. And that's where they're at today. And uh, we want to learn at our level, and we want to know so that we can have salvation because we know what it is and, and walk in our faith in Jesus. 
That's why he says every portion of scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God or the woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And that's our goal. We know very carefully that he is talking about these things happening as a direct result of his relationship and ministry to Jesus. If we're going to suffer, we want it to not be based on personal stupidity or bad choices, but because we're obeying the words of Jesus. Finally, in verse 12, we rejoice in persecution knowing that our reward in heaven is great. You know what, this side of persecution, it's hard to imagine that. (laughs) But it happens. God's people can do it because they have a better perspective on what persecution is all about. How did they get a better perspective? They learned it from the word of God. We are to rejoice and be exceedingly glad when these things happen to us. That's the command. This takes us us being willing, or we need to be made to be willing by our own wills, to look at things from God's perspective on life. No, this world is not my home. I am just passing through. And while I'm passing through, I want to grab as many uh, brands out of the fire as I possibly can and let them go to heaven too because I told them the truth. The uh, The apostles did this after being flogged for preaching Jesus, flogged by the Sanhedrin, the highest religious leaders in town. And they put the, they put them to the whip and they left, walking out of there, rejoicing. Hey, guys, you know what just happened here? We were considered worthy to be persecuted for Jesus. And then they went right out and continued doing what they were beaten for because they obeyed God's word, not men's. The word reward that God promises us is a word in the text for wages. It is remuneration for work done. It is God's recognition of moral and godly actions. They can pretend to be all pious and say, well, I don't need any rewards, God, but you know what? God said, I'm going to give them to you, so why wouldn't you say, okay? Why wouldn't that be a part of why you do for God what you want to do? Because you're looking at a world that uh, isn't here yet. You're looking at a life with God that will be different for you when you die and go and be with him. And he says, I want to reward you for what you did for me that was for me and good. God says, I will take care of that. There will be remuneration. It is worth serving God. That reward doesn't always come, seldom comes in this world, but it will come. That reward in heaven, he says, is great. In looking at the Beatitudes, we we realize that full obedience to these great standards of God will be accomplished in the kingdom. It'll be accomplished one day on this earth in the kingdom of Christ. But we do our best now with the help of the Spirit of God to do it now. So there's certain traps we need to stay out of. Certain things that we should not let get a hold of us. It is false to believe certain things like, I'm saying it's false to believe this. Number one, popularity with one's peers indicates divine approval. I don't think you could sell that to a single Old Testament prophet. (laughs) Number two, that divine approval is gained by keeping rules. That's legalism. 
Number three, that material possessions are a sure indication of divine favor. And finally, that doing miracles necessarily means that God is with your ministry. We don't want lies about us, and we don't also want to lie to ourselves. That's the issue. We had a little extra stuff going on this morning, and I've been trying to hurry to get through this. All I have left is applications, but I have stumbled over my words many times because my brain's three sentences ahead of where my mouth is, so uh, forgive me for that. But I'm going to do these applications. I'm going to just relax and do them. Number one, I hope I speak for you. I believe I do, and me. We desire to be righteous even though it may bring persecution. Secondly, all who desire to live godly, we read that verse in 2 Timothy, will be persecuted for their godliness. And that just goes against everything we're taught about what is good and what is wrong and what happens to those who do wrong, what happens to those who do good. But we live in a world that is ruled by the king of wrong, Satan's evil kingdom. And so good is punished and evil is celebrated. Thirdly, God will reward you and I richly in heaven for what we do here in his name. And finally, we are in a battle. I uh, just want us to keep in mind that Jesus wins, and whatever valley of shadow we have to walk through, he'll be with you. So take courage. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word of encouragement, for telling us the truth about what is going on in this world and where it's going to go. And Friday night, we're going to talk about what happens when you have had enough with unbelievers and what you are going to do to break them at what they think is their highest level, their most arrogant and rebellious time during the Great Tribulation and that you are no friend of evil, of wickedness, of unrighteousness, not in any way. And those days will prove that. Help us to keep your perspective. And Father, we ask that you would give us generously of your Holy Spirit on those days when we would find ourselves being persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Help us in those days. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. close out by singing my Jesus I love you if you'd stand please turn your hymnals to 364 we're going to do verses 1 and 2 
promised me. Father God, I do uh, praise you and thank you that we have your word to follow. And I just pray, Father, this week that we would choose to follow your word, that we ch would choose to follow you, and that we would choose to live for you this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you.